Big Thinking About the Future, from the IF Conference 2011. Chris Sanderson, co-founder of the Future Laboratory, living and designing in the DIY age. I'm uh, a Londoner, not quite born and bred, but both my parents are from London, born and bred. Uh, They moved out, and then I moved back in. I went to university here, and I've lived here ever since, so over 20 years. And I'm lucky enough to say that I have one of the uh, real luxuries of living in London, which is that I walk to work every single day. And I do think that's a real luxury, and I think it is also something that increasingly, as we move into the 21st century, we might see a bit of a return to because one of my predictions is that as we move through the century, so much that we took for granted in the late 20th century, we will no longer be able to take for granted. So whether that might be commuting to work using this rust bucket of a car that has defined the late 20th century, to a focus on three-dimensional pipes that transmit stuff, they will just disappear, whether it be to carry water, our waste, or our information. We simply won't need them. And this sense of the decentralization and the destruction of things that we've taken for granted over the 20th century is something that I really want to touch on. We're at the base of a mountain of disruption, but it's also a mountain of opportunity. We came up with a phrase at the Future Laboratory, the turbulent teens, to describe this decade that we now find ourselves in. This idea of turbulence, a period of change, a period of transformation. And I think we've already started to touch on that already. I mean, who's not going to walk away from this conference knowing that the next intelligent thing they'll say will be, well, of course, we all know about environment change and climate change, but when you consider mind change, well... So that sense of understanding change and the shift... The challenge, but also the opportunity, is kind of where I'm thinking. Anarchonomy, uh, a word uh, we didn't come up with, uh, Copenhagen Institute for Business Studies, looked at this idea of how increasingly, of course, we're all revolving around alternate economies. Our sense of capitalism is changing. Of course, unfortunately, one of the legacies of the 20th century that we live in this deeply uh, sort of binary world where everything is either black or white, it's either on or off. It's either, you know, left or right. Um, That we don't seem to be able to do anything in between. And, of course, capitalism is struggling to redefine itself in the 21st century and create models, engines of economic behaviour that are fit for purpose, not for the 20th century, but for the 21st. And so that sense of an anarchonomic model is something that we've been looking at, this idea that as we see change geopolitically, as we see it uh, uh, in terms of social networks and all sorts of change, we see an anarchy beginning to happen in business as well, anarchonomic business models beginning to come to the surface. All of us, of course, now have changed the role of business because we no longer just transact, we no longer just buy. We've all become traders We're all part of a trader generation. We all have something to sell as well to buy. So the whole basis of consumption and the process of consumer activity has also changed. In certain corners of economic activity, this is uh, Jonathan Hall, the the author of Creative Distraction as a blog, such as consumer product design or niche mobile applications, anarchonomy will be the rule for the next decade. So that sense of shift. Well, as my title kind of uh, suggests, I work in the area of trends. So we think about change in terms of drivers 
And what are the drivers behind all this? Why is it that we're beginning to change? Well, we do, as we've all understood from listening to Paul, live in an open culture where we talk about kind of crowdsourcing, and we talk about open networks, and we talk about blogging, and we talk about peer-to-peer culture, and we talk about social networks and the impact of all this activity that we perform, both on and offline, I'm, I'm grateful to say. It isn't all about screen activity. And the sense of the interaction that we have with brands, with consumption, with the manufacturing process is, of course, what interests me. The best way to create ideas is to share the best ones we have. Taking this abundant approach rather than a scarcity approach helps all of us. That's from the author Daniel Burrus. Now, of course, that runs counter to traditional economic uh, sense or practice or, or traditional capitalist activity, which is if you've got a good idea, you hold on to it because it has value. You don't share it. And the great move, of course, of free online activity, the internet, was that it was free. It was there to be shared for all, Linux, etc. It was all about sharing. It was all about this joint activity. Very interesting organization, this. I don't know anyone here heard of Technology Will Save Us as an organization. I don't quite know what to call them, whether they're an outfit, an organization, a studio, a collaborative. Because whilst clearly, like the rest of us, they're trying to earn a buck and and keep their heads above water. Making money doesn't necessarily seem to be at the heart of what they do, and yet I think they're going to be hugely successful and very profitable in everything they do. They can't be with us today. I actually wanted to bring them uh, to meet you because um, Bethany's actually about to have her first child, so they're kind of a bit preoccupied. Technology will save us, describe themselves as a digital haberdashery. Isn't that brilliant? that you could take two words like that and fuse them together to create this new concept for selling technology, that they are a digital haberdashery. You take a word so old-fashioned and 20th century, like digital, and you merge it with a word so new and fresh and 21st century, like haberdashery. (laughs) This idea of doing things, of getting involved, of bits and bobs, and pulling it all together and making something new, of understanding what all this digital stuff is actually about. That it's not just an obsession with an iPhone or a Blackberry, but it's the stuff that surrounds us and that is radically transforming our lives, however old you be. And that sense, I think, is what's really interesting about how open source culture is beginning to change. Get involved. Has anyone here tried to take the back off their iPhone recently? Do any of you know what goes on behind it? The single greatest fault of Apple. It's why they're doomed for failure. (laughs) Ten years ago, of course, I would stand up in front of an audience and talk about how they were going to save us all. But then I was talking to a bunch of professionals who thought Dell was what computing was all about, and Macs were for graphic designers. But within ten years, of course, the transformation of Apple has happened. I'm not going to argue it's complete, But I am saying that they better watch out because the competition is around the corner. And of course the competition isn't from Dell or IBM or HTC or Lenovo. It's you and me. Because that's the nature of how consumption and how manufacturing is changing. We are the competitor set because we will come up with better ideas than they ever will in the decade to come. That's the DIY challenge, and that's the DIY change, that we now live in an open culture where we are prepared to share ideas because our sense of protecting an idea of an idea hegemony has completely radically transformed the way that we think and operate as social beings. This is Sugru. Anyone here know about Sugru? A couple of you. 
invented by an RCA graduate about eight years ago, Jane Nidag-Quintig. It took me about, um, well, actually, if you look at the spelling of it, it's impossible to pronounce. She's Irish. But if you just kind of remember the phonetics, it's okay. She's invented this silicon uh, gel. It's like a, like a plasticine, a putty, that, that hardens. It dries off in the atmosphere. And therefore, what she's done is create this amazing product that just fixes stuff. It deals with obsolescence, as in with my dishwasher that rusts. I now just cover the rusty bits, and suddenly my dishwasher tray's got a whole new lease of life. And this sense of being able to learn to stick it on things is what Suguru is all about. Hack things better. It's this idea that actually we can be involved in hacktivism. We can improve products. We can make hacker products. We hack into the system. We hack into the design. We make it better. We change the product. We don't really feel that it's this nice, confined box that has to stay as it is. Open brands. When you open up development to the marketplace, they end up doing the product development. Um, open farm technology. I mean, it's just transforming the way that small communities think about what they do, wherever they may be, as we redefine what it means to be part of this planet. Um, reverse innovation is kind of what I'm talking about, that successful innovations in emerging markets will inform how we innovate in the Western world. So it's time for change. So we are, obviously, as we know, part of the dying world. And in fact, most of the profound innovations, according to Chris Trimble from the Tuck School of Business, most of the profound innovations of the next few decades will be adopted by emerging, emerging economies first and only later by the developed world. So the shift that we begin to see in terms of powerhouses of change and of transformation, I think, is really important, which is why we now talk about shanzainomics. Anyone know this word, uh, shanzai? It's, it's, a, it's a, a dialect word in China for bandit, mountain bandit. And it refers to what we see going on, of course, in China, which is that um, we copy. But we don't just copy because it's an economic um, advantage. We copy because it's also a sign of respect, but also because we want to learn and do something better. So most of us know what this is. This is the iPhone. Go to China, and you can buy the iPhone. It's not just a copy of an iPhone. They think they've made it better. They think they've made changes to the software and indeed to the hardware that make it a better product. What do you do if you're Apple? I mean, you know, how do you compete? Why do you compete? What do you do? That's the challenge that traditional brands and manufacturers face in this, the 21st century. Synovation, the idea that we now have huge streams of development that are enabling all sorts of things to happen. This is the Mustang coronary st stent that's been developed that is radically cheaper than previous stents and therefore enabling a new level of surgery to be developed. For the first time in a long time, the key engine of growth for the global economy will not come from the US, Japan or Europe. I think we're all aware of that already. Indovation. How we see huge product categories, sometimes by our big and beastie uh, uh, global brands being manufactured, but at a different way, a different rate, a different pace, a different style. Buy a Mac 3 razor here in Europe, it's going to cost you £6. Buy a Gillette Guard in India, and it'll cost you 20p. And that sense of economies of scale and the sense of difference that we start to see is going to radically challenge the way that we think about consumption and how whole new markets will open up for different consumers. So, let's wrap up with a few consequences. Uh, I was briefed to talk about three DIY, three design it yourself, do it yourself, print it yourself. And I think this, again, is one of the areas that we're all aware of, of how a technology developed for rapid prototyping, how to print a solid object, is now moving into a form of potential uh, uh, manufacturing. Now, I was lucky enough to, to have one of these at first hand uh, over the summer. 
uh, I, I saw it being put into a family home to watch how the family would interact with this. And it was a bit like how you imagined it must have been when the first telly turned up in the time for the coronation in one household in one village and everyone gathered around. And quite a lot of people looked at it and were very, really dismissive because they just didn't know what it did. And that was the response it got. And again, it was this idea of, well, what does it do? What can it do? The implications of this technology are still going to take some time to work out. And the, the problems, the mechanics, I think, uh, uh, will still take some time. But, but here's the thing. The participating consumer no longer judges an object for what it is, but imagines what it can become. So not only am I going to maybe make something on screen and interact on screen, I'm actually then going to design it and I'm going to see it being produced. And I'm going to be involved in that design process. Talk about firing off uh, your brain cells to think about the potential of what you could do, the imaginary playing on your keyboard. Objects are evolving into dynamic puzzles. Because I'm not just receiving something that I'm going to buy, I'm thinking about the end product before it's even been created. But of course, the future that many of us are looking at is this idea, so will I have one on my street? Will I have one in my house? Well, of course we will. You know, 10 years ago, a printer was a bloke from Romford. <laughs> Does anyone now not have a printer at home? I mean, I don't mean a bloke from Rom Romford. I mean, do you not have a printer at home? So why on earth will you not have a 3D printer at home? So that process that we'll go through of technological development and advancement changes the way we think about product and what we'll be able to print at home, what we'll be able to buy. And that shift represents a massive challenge and change and opportunity in the way that we think about manufacturing, decentralizing potentially manufacturing, changing the logistics chain that has created the 20th century. So we move into a period of disruptive innovation in the anarchonomy decade, businesses will transform their organizational structures into ones that allow for disruptive, innovative thinking. Thank you very much. For more big thinking about the future, go to iq2if.com.